Welcome to another episode on Life in the Front Office here, 15-Minute Friday, with Parker Polyakov at the University of Miami, Director of Development. And, you know, Parker is an Ohio grad. I, I think we've had some Ohio grads on as well, uh, Brett Bauer being one of his classmates. And really, so continuing the trend there. But Parker, you know, looking forward to having you on today, talking with you a little bit about development. And you know, I think a lot of our guests and content have been focused around pro sports, but really looking forward to talking to someone in, in college athletics. It's a totally different avenue for people who want to get into sports or quite frankly, they might be in pro sports and they want to switch over. So um, you're in the development department within college athletics. We'd love to touch, touch on that and, and uh, have you share you know, how you got to where you are. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jake. It's it's always fun to connect with fellow Ohio alum and, and able to, to help out in any way possible. So as you mentioned, my path to college athletics has always been in college athletics. And I started at Duke University, and that was where I did my undergraduate degree, where I met Dr. Kevin White, who I view as one of my mentors in this industry. And he was really my first gateway and avenue into the world of college sports. I initially wanted to be a doctor actually. In in the sports field, I was always a, a big athlete and sports fan growing up, but never knew there was a business side of it all until I met Dr. White. And he showed me and talked to me about the development avenue and how it impacts student athletes and colleges across the country and how development is one of those avenues where you raised money, helped student athletes, helped complete initiatives across the campus and give back to universities that have given so much to us as students. And so that piqued my interest a little bit. And he ended up telling me about the Ohio program, how he sent both of his sons to it. And I followed suit. So went to Ohio, got involved with the Bobcat club there. And after a few years with Ohio, I ended up at UCLA where I spent about a year and a half as the assistant director of development, a year and a half as the associate director of development, and then found my way here to Miami as the director of development. Oh, that's awesome. And, and I know you're, you're recently uh, have moved into Miami, Florida. So tell us a little bit about what the journey's been like, you know, going from uh, Ohio to California to Florida, and then um, tell us where you're from as well. Yeah, well, I'm originally from Miami, which is nice to come back home, I guess. My whole family's down here. But as you mentioned, moving across the country from Ohio to L.A. and then back to Miami was quite challenging, you know, going coast to coast multiple times. But one thing that I was always told in this industry is you have to be willing to move. You have to be willing to take opportunities that you might not know you want to do at the time, but are great opportunities. And this Miami job was one that I knew my current boss, Jesse Marks, and he reached out to me about the opportunity, and it was such a good one that I couldn't pass it up, the opportunity to work for him, to work for University of Miami, and to work back in my home city with my family. So kind of those three factors all played a huge role in wanting to make the move, but it doesn't make it any easier, because as I'm sure you know, every time you, you're moving, you're pack, packing up your portfolio and moving on to the next, so... But it's been good. It, it's been a lot of fun. Having a good support network is always well, absolutely. Nice. And 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 you touched on the factors. We'll we'll give Jim Kaler a shout out if he's listening. But what were some of the factors that 
you know, you really took into consideration when not only choosing the Ohio program, but then also choosing your job at UCLA and then choosing to move to this job at Miami. You know, what were some of those things that uh, students or graduate students or people in the industry can, can take insights from, from you in terms of kind of how you approach the situations? Yeah, so my reason for choosing Ohio were, were twofold. One was my mentor told me that that's where I needed to be. So that's always a, a huge influence in my life. And the second was Jim, actually. I had met Jim Kaler on my interview weekend, and I talked to him on the phone a little bit previously. And he just preached a sense of family and a sense of community. And that resonated with me and was something I wanted to be a part of. When they say the Ohio family, they truly mean it where everyone is joined. And even if you've never met them before, all of a sudden it mentions Ohio and there's that instant connection. I mean, I was in at UCLA, uh, another fellow grad, Brian Brantley, he graduated way before I did. I had never met him before, had never connected with him before, but he ended up on UCLA's campus one day randomly to talk to one of my coworkers there. We ran into each other found out somehow that we both went to Ohio and just instantly clicked with each other, reminiscing about our time there. And it was like we had been friends for, for a while. And that's just the, the strength and testament to the Ohio program. And that was what kind of drew me there. What then drew me to UCLA and then to Miami were the people. You know, Jim always preached and Ohio always preaches that you really want to look for the people you're working with and not necessarily the the title or the money or those always help. But for me, I always look at who I'm working with, who I'm working for, and is it the right fit? And is it the right sense of community? Well, and and in terms of going back home, you know, to a place that you're familiar with, um, what is having, you know, an impact in the community mean to you within your work, you know, not only on, on the student athlete aspect, but, but also within a location? Yeah, well, funny enough, um, while I am coming back home to Miami, and this is where I grew up, I went away when I was 11. So I actually went to boarding school for middle and high school and have been away from the city of Miami for about 16 years now. And so it's almost like a brand new city. You know, a city like Miami changes so much over the years that it's so drastically different now. But it's kind of cool to be able to come back and help and reintegrate with the community that I grew up with. And so far in my past, this is my third week on the job now, it's been fun running into people that I used to know or had some affiliation with me growing up. And for me, I grew up going to the Miami sporting camps as a kid. I went to their football camp, their basketball camp. That was my life as a little kid. So it's kind of nostalgic being back on campus and giving back to that great community. That's awesome. So you know, you went to UCLA and you went to Miami where neither school you you went to, but you're trying to raise money for their for their student athletes. Where does where does the passion come from? Right. Because you're not working at Duke where you went or you're not working at Ohio where you went for grad school. So where, where does the passion come from? Um, you know, obviously you become a fan once you work there. Right. So, uh, you know, a Bruin fan, now a Hurricane fan and a, and a Blue Devil and, and a Bobcat. So. You've got a lot of, I'm sure, polos and logos and, and colors in, in the uh, wardrobe, but some you can't bring out anymore, I'm sure. Yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned that, where when you're moving from school to school, you're always changing your fandom per se. And for me, the passion 
it helps the logo on the chest. It always does. I, I love the University of Miami and I loved UCLA and everything it stood for. And I loved Ohio. But for me, really, it's giving back to the student athletes. I think at the central point of it all, the reason I work in college athletics is to be able to give opportunities to student athletes who wouldn't necessarily have those opportunities otherwise. And if I can raise money for a scholarship or for a facility or for equipment or for whatever it may be, and that gives a student athlete an extraordinary college experience, then I've done my job. And that's, that's what I'm passionate about. I, and that can be at any school anywhere in the country because you know, you have so many student athletes and they do so much and they're playing and competing in sports that they love and to be able to help them achieve those dreams of theirs is, is awesome. And that's, that's kind of why I do it. And so anyone looking to go into, especially college athletics, if it's not at your alma mater or a specific school that you're passionate about, you have to find that why factor because that's, what's going to help you work hard every day. Well, and you, and you uh, mentioned and the why push those extra hours. You know, obviously it's not just you raising money, right? There's a lot of other people in the department that have that why, and they've got different aspects to their job. Break mm-hmm. it down for us a little bit. Uh, I know each school is different and, and the way the athletic department is shaped, you know, based on the size of the school and everything is different, but give us kind of a broad perspective as to what a, de- a development department looks like and kind of, you know, what the different facets are. Yeah, so as you mentioned, each school is different depending on the size and scope of the department. I've been a part of three-person departments. I've been a part of 14-people departments and, and anywhere in between there. And essentially, you're always going to have the head of development who's in charge with guiding the shop and guiding the vision and setting the, the goals and expectations of and the culture of the whole team. And then within that, depending on the unit you're in, there's either the major gift side of it or the annual giving side of it. And with the major gifts focus, a lot of that is reaching out to alumni donors for significant gifts to help contribute to whether it be scholarships or major facility capital campaigns. These gifts generally are pledged over five year periods of time. And for the most part are six figures and above. Some are lower, you can have $50,000 pledged over five years or whatever it may be. But a a major gift, depending on your department, is generally one that is not going towards any seating licenses or any annual renewable gift. On the flip side of that, you have the annual fund, which is the lifeblood of your department. It's what you count on every year for budget reasons and is one of the most important aspects of a college athletic department in general. And those are gifts that your donors are giving on an annual basis. You're looking to renew those gifts and increase them throughout the year or throughout the years because you'll have thousands of donors or hundreds depending on the size of your shop. And these are people that give anywhere from $50 to $50,000 annually. And you're working with them to move them up the ladder for someone that used to give a thousand, you're trying to get them to give 1500 the next year and so forth. And so those are generally the two different avenues within a college development shop. There's, there's people that aren't necessarily always out there trying to ask people for money, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you'll have your frontline fundraisers who are in charge with face-to-face visits 
calling solicitations, constantly asking for money and bringing in new dollars. And then you'll have people that work on the development side as well that are event focused and are putting on events or stewardship focused who are fulfilling benefits for these donors. So as a result of their $5,000 gift, a stewardship officer would be sending them invitations to games or sideline experiences and various initiatives like that. And so it's a good combination where you want to be a frontline fundraiser, there's that avenue. But if you're also more of an events person or more of a stewardship person or like doing mass solicitations, there's that annual piece as well. The, the one interesting thing that's going to be is the new tax law where it's no longer tax deductible to do a per seat donation. And so Miami, for example, changed their giving structure this past year where we no longer are involved on the ticket side of things. So we don't do any per seat donations at Miami and our main focus is the philanthropic major gifts or the philanthropic annual gifts above and beyond what anyone's doing for their seats. And so I think you'll see a lot more people moving in that direction where it's going back to kind of getting out of the ticket game. Now we still help our top donors get the best seats possible and they still do have priority rankings, but in terms of the old model of if I want seats on the 50 yard line, I'm required to well, get this donation. Certainly going to change the We've gotten away quite from a bit in kind of how people operate. So certainly looking forward to seeing how that changes things across college athletics and you know, it, it may make a, a short-term impact right now, but certainly more of a long-term one. And, and there's always, you know, different things changing. So appreciate you pointing that out. And uh, as we kind of wrap up the episode, we've done more of a two-minute drill with, with each 15-minute Friday uh, episode. So we're going to ask you what your best or worst interview experience was. And this is, this is always an interesting question to, uh, to see what, what comes out. Yeah, I would say best and worst interview experience. So the best interview experience I had was, ooh, that's that's actually a tough one because I've had a couple of good ones. Both UCLA and Miami, I had great interview experiences. And for me, it was when the hiring manager at the time and my then boss at UCLA, now boss here at Miami, they just treated me like family. When, when I arrived, I was a part of the team. They weren't standoffish. And it was just a really good sense of community that they showed and demonstrated, which ultimately led them, me to join their team. But I think that's the number one thing you can do when you're interviewing people. In regards to worst interview experiences, this was when I was interviewing someone when I was uh, back at UCLA. But a lot of times people just don't know why they're interviewing for a position and don't know the position that well and don't look up any facts that are readily, readily available online. And I think that's the, the biggest thing. And one of the biggest things I would say to do is, you know, do your research ahead of time, know who you're talking to, look them up on LinkedIn before, look up the school you're going to be at, know what the school's mission statement is, and just know your facts. Because if you're going oh, into perfect. an interview without that, what's been the best part of your journey thus failure. far? And I know you're a big traveler, so that might be part of it. And I think the best part of the journey is the people I've met. My favorite thing about being a development officer is you encounter so many different unique people and so many unique stories that every day is different and every day is a new chance to learn. We meet with CEOs, with entrepreneurs, with pretty much anyone, doctors, lawyers, CPAs, 
And each one of them are so fascinating on how the university has impacted their lives and helped them in their careers. And it's incredible to learn from them. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your advice and insights. (laughs) And I really enjoyed talking with you. Always welcome you on for a future episode to talk more development and, uh, you know, maybe some, some hurricane athletics in the future.